0: Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 1045 a.m. Today's message is Jesus' emotional entry. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. Well, today is Palm Sunday. And uh, today is the, the day where you hear the word Hosanna. And for the most part, we don't hear that word for the next 364 days. Right? Hosanna is a word that, that uh, fits Palm Sunday. It's the word that they were uh, yelling and saying uh, as Jesus entered into uh, the uh, city of Jerusalem. And Hosanna simply means... Save us or save—that's kind of the root root word of that. And so, what the people were doing is they were just shouting, "Save us! You're here to save us!" They were excited because of of what Jesus was representing and what they they thought he was representing. And we're going to talk about that that Palm Sunday uh, today because that it's a it's a really important day uh, in the in the ministry of Jesus, but it it really points. And applies to us on this day. Because they really missed the point on Palm Sunday. And guess what? We still can miss the point if we're not careful. You know, we have a lot in common with the people back nearly 2,000 years ago. Right? There's a lot of cultural differences. There's a lot of, lot of things that have changed. But at the heart, we're human. And we can miss Jesus just as easily as they miss Jesus. It's always an amazing transition to me to kind of step back and think about Palm Sunday and think about going from people praising uh, God and saying Hosanna and waving palm branches to literally four days later yelling to crucify him. I mean, that's a huge change in emotion, right? And so Palm Sunday, uh, the the triumphal entry is, is an emotionally charged event. And, uh, and so we're going to look at that. We're going to be uh, today in Luke chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 35. Uh, and that's on page 733 in the chair Bibles. And those, uh, those Bibles are for you. Uh, if you would like to, to take one home or know someone who needs one, uh, feel free. That's no, no problem at all. But uh, just leading up to this, uh, Jesus has asked a couple of his disciples. He said, uh, you need to go into town. You're going to find a donkey or a colt. Uh, tied up, and you're going to untie it and you're going to bring it to me. It's kind of an odd request, right? <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, you're going to find one. Just get the, the nicest one out there. And, uh, and so, as disciples, they do it. And, and Jesus says, Oh, and by the way, the owner may be a little concerned. You know, I, I don't know what, what ranks in your mind of what you would least like to be stolen from you, but like, my car would be one, you know, like, you know, I don't want to have to go through the hassle of calling insurance and dealing with that, right? Well, back then, a colt or a donkey, that was the car, right? That was not a, a cheap thing that you, you owned. And so here, here Jesus is saying, hey, just go get the, uh, the colt. Um, thankfully, firearms hadn't been invented. He didn't have to worry about getting shot, And, uh, and, and so they do. And it's, it's amazing to me because the owner comes out as any owner would saying, Hey, what are you doing? And they just said, well, the Lord needs it. And the owner says, it's all yours. It's really, it's really kind of cool. And it's a, it's a neat little scene there. But, uh, but we pick up in verse 35, right after this has happened. And so now Jesus is beginning to enter in to Jerusalem I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Okay, we're going to stop there for a minute and, uh, and just set the scene. So this is a, a very emotional celebration scene. See, the people were, had gathered in Jerusalem already because this was Passover week. Passover was, a and still is, a very big and important time in the life of the Jewish people. And, and it was... It was the, uh, obviously very religious, but it was also a party. I mean, it was a, a celebration. And so people had gathered, and they were kind of there ready to party, right? And then Jesus provides a focal point. I, I kind of think about it, and I've never been, but uh, I've seen pictures of Mardi Gras. Has anyone, anyone willing to admit they've been to Mardi Gras? Anybody? Kevin's like... You know, so Mardi Gras in New Orleans right it 's a huge party right and and what 's interesting is people just go there and they don 't really know why they 're just going to to celebrate and then they find little things to focus on right and then you have a little event over here, and you think, "Oh, you know what that's really good, and everyone is, has brought all this energy, and then all of a sudden it 's focused on one aspect that 's kind of what 's going on here in a way, right but They came to celebrate, they came to do all this, and now all of a sudden. This Jesus guy, who people had heard rumors about, maybe they'd experienced, maybe they had experienced a miracle, right? But there was a little bit of a buzz about Jesus. And the disciples knew that, and the disciples got the crowd going, right? There's no doubt about that. And, uh, but then people became excited, because they would immediately recognize all the signs. Jesus, the way that he was entering into Jerusalem, was saying, I am the king. I am the Messiah. Now, there were differences, too, because Jesus was not the king that they were expecting. You know, he didn't come in on a big white horse. He came in on a donkey, right? But there were some clear things that that it fit. Okay, this, this is the Messiah. This is the one who's supposed to come and make everything right, who's supposed to come and institute the kingdom of God. And so people get caught up. And I get the feeling that this became a big deal. People are celebrating. They're excited. And they're so excited that the, uh, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they don't like that. Do you, ever, do you have that person like maybe in your family or something like that that anytime things get too fun, they're going to have to bring down the, the excitement level? It's like, oh, no, no. Hey, that's our laughing quotient has been reached. No more. Right. And so you, I, I just have it funny. I just get this picture of uh, everybody's going crazy and, and excited. And then these guys in big robes and they walk up very quietly. Uh, Jesus, may we have a word. You know, and I, I love Jesus' response. Because we use this, how often have we used, oh, even the rocks would cry out. This is really, this is a, <laughs> a strangely funny and kind of sarcastic A remark by Jesus, right? He is very dismissive of the Pharisees with this remark. Now, Jesus engages with the Pharisees all the time. So it's not that he's worried about, you know, trying to explain and and stuff like this, but this is in the middle of a really big moment, right? And it's kind of like everything good is going, things are going really well. And then you have that one person that wants to come up and complain and you just want to go, you know, enough. I don't want to listen to you. That was Jesus. That's what he did to the Pharisees. And it's so funny because they say, uh, Jesus, could you please shut up your disciples? They're causing a ruckus. And Jesus just looks at them and says, Listen, I'm not going to do that because if they shut up, even the rocks would cry out. How do you respond to that if you're the Pharisees? There is no response. And you know you've kind of just been told, Leave me alone. And it's, it's interesting. Jesus, that, thats It's a pretty powerful statement. And, uh, and the irony of it is is—is that if Jesus would have wanted, the rocks could have cried out, right. which is really cool. right? So you have all of this going on, and, and it's an exciting time. But then the passage continues, and you have a really sharp change here in, in Luke. And I, I kind of view it as something like uh, Have you ever been at, at Christmas dinner or Christmas family celebration? And everything is going well, you're celebrating, you're excited. Uh, things are going great, a lot of laughter and fun. And then you look over at the wall and you see a picture of your granddad. And you're like, oh, I wish granddad was here. And then you kind of remember, oh remember that Christmas back then. And all of a sudden your emotion, it's still happy, right? There's still joy, but there can be tears and joy, right? And your emotion can be up here and then it kind of goes, Ooh, and then it comes back. And Jesus kind of has that kind of A moment here. So as we continue uh, to to read, this is in verse 41. I kind of picture Jesus uh, finds a a quiet spot and all of a sudden kind of finds himself alone uh, just for a moment. He's he's already looking kind of over the city. The whole city is available to be seen from where he is. And uh, it says this. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Not not just a cry this is this is an emotional response that Jesus is having. And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you, and when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, they will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another, because you did not recognize the time. Of God's coming to you. Hmm. Talk about a drastic change. So what is it. That Jesus is weeping about. As he's looking over the city. There's a couple of things I want to. To talk about here. Because I think they apply. So much to us today. The reason Jesus is weeping is because people missed what God was doing. They missed it. And that's what he starts off. He says, "Man, if you just know had known, you would have peace. But you missed it. And you're going you're not going to be able to find the peace that you so desire." And you know Jesus is thinking about the people who were very faithful. The people who love God, the people who legitimately wanted to see God. You know, I don't get the, the sense right here that Jesus is looking out and he's seeing all the, the pagan people, right? And the people who have rejected God. No, he's actually seeing the people who are faithful. But the problem is, is that they missed God Because they set their own expectations of who God was supposed to be. Expectations are always a dangerous thing. It can ruin any wonderful occasion. You can ruin Disney World if you have the wrong expectations. Right? You know, if you expect, you know, we're going to be able to ride every ride in the first four hours of Disney World, you are going to be miserable. Right? Right? Because your expectations are all off. And it's amazing how powerful our expectations are. Our expectations better be based in truth and in fact. That you are never going to ride every ride at Disney World if you're there from here until eternity. Right? Our expectations better be based in fact. And the problem was is that the people, they loved God, they wanted to meet God, they wanted to see God, but their expectations were not based in God's truth. They were based in what they wanted God's truth to be. And let's flesh that out a little bit. You have a couple of different groups that I think uh, that we can learn from. First, you have the, the individuals. All these people who have gotten caught up and they're waving the palm branches and they're putting their cloaks down on the road, all of those are signs basically of welcoming a king. Right? So they recognize that fact. And so they, they thought this could be the Messiah. Here's the problem. The way that they interpreted that is that the Messiah was going to bring in the kingdom of God. And whenever we start you start reading scripture about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is a wonderful place. There's no more death, there's no more dying. Everything is made right. Kind of what we view now is what heaven will be like. That's that's kind of the way that they viewed the kingdom of God. And so they thought, hey, the Messiah is going to come in, everything's going to be made right. These this group of people, the 90% of them were very poor. Many of them had sicknesses and diseases that they were dealing with. They had all kinds of problems. They, they, they were ruled over unfairly. All of that was going on. And so when they thought about the Messiah and the kingdom of God, they were like, hey, all of that's going to be made right. I'm not going to be poor anymore. I'm going to be healthy. You know, we're going to have power. All of that, that's what they expected to happen. Because their idea of finding peace and joy and fulfillment is that the Messiah would come in and make everything right for them. That was their expectation. And man, how many times do we do that? Sometimes, it's a lot of times it's subtle. We wouldn't say it. But in our head, we think, you know what? If I, if I just start going to church more, I start praying more, you know, I start serving a little bit, man, maybe even... Maybe even I start giving a little bit more. Then you know what? Then God, then all these things that are going on in my life, they'll all just resolve themselves. And then what happens is we'll start doing that. We'll start going to church and we start giving and we start doing all this. All these things that, we, that are great in themselves. And then we step back and we look and we say, you know, my work situation hadn't really improved. You know, I, I'm still sick. Or I still have financial troubles. Why didn't God fix these things? Well, because God never promised that he would fix all of those things. Right? He promises us his presence in the midst of them all. So that we can find peace even when we're poor. We can find peace even when we're sick. We can find peace even when we're powerless. That's the message of God. But you know what? We don't like that expectation. We want things just to be fixed right and seeing the and so the people they were missing God because they had expectations that he would come and he would make them more powerful right again it was that's that's the the common common sin and the root of basically all sin is selfishness right and so their expectations of God were very selfish oriented we also see Jesus weeping clearly over the city representative of the nation of Jerusalem. This is pretty interesting because God chose the people of Israel. He chose them to be his voice to the world around us. He chose them to go and to share his, the truth of who God was, the fact that God loved the world. He wanted that people to do that. And what they took that as, as God wants us to be the best and biggest and most powerful and prestigious nation in the world. And that's what they started focusing on. It was slow. It happened over time. And it's understandable why it happened. Because, again, they're people. And so they started viewing that the Messiah would come and restore the nation of Israel to a prominent nation. And what at the core, what that meant is that if you're a prominent nation, how in the world can Rome be ruling over you? And if you really want to take that even farther, how in the world could something as decadent and as immoral as Rome, how could that be the dominant world power? Right? So so in their mind, they're starting to think, hey, all this stuff needs to change. And here this Jesus guy is. Man, maybe he's going to do that. Talk about being disappointed. And that's, that's why you can go from waving branches to three days later saying, get rid of him. Because do you, do you feel the emotional swing? I mean, you're talking on an emotional high. Everything's going to be made right in my own eyes, in, with me as an individual, and with our nation. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait, this guy says that he came to serve, uh, not to be served. What are you talking about? You need to be going after Caesar, right? Jesus doesn't fit that picture at all. And so they're like, well, if he's, not, if he's not it, well, let's bring the next one in. Let's get rid of this guy. We've got to be really careful because we can fall into that, those groups really easily. We can fall into it with our own selves uh, that we become self-focused, That we want God just to solve all of our problems. Then we, when we start realizing, wait, we kind of have to take some responsibility on that ourselves. We're like, wow, that wasn't part of the deal. I just want God to fix it all. We also can, we can become very nationalistic. We can do this in a lot of different ways. Right? Sometimes we want our country To become representative of the kingdom of God. We don't want that. We want our country to allow us to worship and to share the message of the kingdom. And to protect those rights. But we don't want our country being what represents the kingdom of God. Historically, that has never worked out well. And sometimes, so now we look at our government and we look at our society and we start saying, oh, just things are so horrible. And by the way, they're very frustrating, right? But if all of a sudden our attention becomes we need to get that right in order to, for the kingdom of God to grow and expand, guess what? We're, we're, we're barking up the wrong tree. Because the, the nation itself, the political part, is, is not how God's kingdom moves and impacts people's lives. And what happens then is is that we start thinking, well, if the way that we'll have peace, the way that we'll find joy, that we'll find fulfillment, is that our government creates a perfect system. And our government eliminates injustice. And our government eliminates unfairness. And our government eliminates all that stuff. Guess what? That will never happen. And so if you're waiting for that to happen, to experience peace, which is what was happening back then, you're never going to experience peace, ever. And we need to be, remember that as followers of Christ, that our main focus is the kingdom of God. And I'm so thankful that we live in a country who still does recognize the importance of freedom. And while there are a lot of issues out there, and we, can, we need to engage that. I'm not saying we don't engage that. But if we're waiting for all of that to be made right before we can experience peace and hope and joy and, a, and enjoy life, we're going to be miserable. As Jesus is looking out at Jerusalem, I think he's weeping. He's because he's like, you as a nation, you've missed it. You've put your focus on trying to become a stronger, more profitable nation whenever what I called you to do is to go out into the world and announce the presence of the kingdom of God. That's what we need to be focused on now. We need to be focused on that. I want to close with this. As Jesus is, and I just kind of, I try to to picture it. I think that always helps to try to actually picture yourself you know, because these things, these events really did happen, right? And so I, I, I picture Jesus, and you, you see tears streaming down his face as he's looking out over Jerusalem. Because all these people that he loves so dearly are, are just missing it, right? And in fact, they're going to get to the point where they're going to crucify him. And he knows all this stuff is going to happen, right? And so he, he's weeping, And, you know, part of in in his humanness, don't you know, I mean, if if I was there, I'd be thinking, you know, I'm sitting, I'm fixing to sacrifice so much, and these people, so many of them are just going to completely miss it. And many of them are going to become very hostile. And so Jesus is weeping. But then I, I picture Jesus kind of regaining composure, straightening up, kind of wiping the tears from his eyes, and all of a sudden... He becomes laser-focused on his mission. And from this moment on, Jesus enters into Jerusalem, and it is a very deliberate, straight walk to the cross because he knows that that is his mission. That's what God has called him to do, and he's going to do it no matter what. It doesn't matter that people aren't going to listen. It doesn't matter that that, uh, people are going to uh, reject him. Because he's going to love them anyway. And you know what? That's what we need to be doing. Because a lot of times I think we get to the point where we can weep. Like we see all the problems in the world. We see all the frustration. We see all the evil. And we can start weeping. And we see all the people who are just constantly rejecting God. And if we're not careful, we can just stay in that place. But no, we need to wipe away the tears. And we need to make sure we focus on our mission. And our mission is proclaiming truth in the midst of evil. Proclaiming truth and the opportunity for people to have peace in the midst of a world that is still rejecting God. And you know what? That that means that sometimes it's going to be hard for us. A lot of times people aren't going to listen. In fact, sometimes you can feel like you do your whole, whole life. You're like, I don't know if anyone ever listened. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because what... God has called us to do. And where we find peace is by focusing on the kingdom of God and proclaiming the truth of that kingdom. This week as we prepare for Easter, I encourage you to remove your expectations of who God is. Right? Allow God just to be who He is, which means understanding that He's going to be with you no matter what. Don't get caught into that trap of, if you have a bad day tomorrow, thinking, well, what did I do that God is causing this bad day? Right? No, guess what? God is there in the bad day. Jesus is about to have a really bad day. When people are that were shouting Hosanna now start to shout, crucify him. That is a crappy day. Right? But he did it anyway because he knew that proclaiming the truth of the kingdom of God was what was most important. Don't allow your expectations to keep you from experiencing the full life that God offers you. Share his message. Expand the kingdom of God. Allow God to use you to reach out into a world That is rejecting him. But you know what? God is still changing lives. He's changing lives each and every day. If we just look at the big picture and just kind of look at the headlines, we're not going to see that. But God is making a difference. People's lives are being changed because the truth is found in Christ, not in our expectations. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity that we have Uh, to share your message of hope, your message of peace with the world around us. And Lord, we understand that we are going to experience a lot of frustrations. There's going to be a lot of things that are against you. There's going to be a lot of people who continue to reject you. But Lord, help us not to allow that to keep us from proclaiming your truth to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for calling us to be part of your message and your mission in the world. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we ask Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We are located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us At 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon. And may God bless you.